1: this is asked and answered questions with tom Opferman and steelers digest editor bob labriola
2: unfortunately a very sad day for everybody in pittsburgh as the legend the icon and more importantly the great man stan saverin passed away yesterday on june 12th and labs you and i both knew stan very well you I've been around him forever, you know, ever since I started here about five or six years ago, Stan was one of the first jobs I had running his board. And as you can imagine, someone coming out of college would be intimidated to have to work for Stan Saverin. He made it so easy for you. Just such a relatable person and all the intimidation that I felt was squashed within minutes of walking into the building and meeting him.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, certainly, you know, as to, to, again, steal, um, Mike Tollman's line: uh, Stan Saverin's resume needs no endorsement from me. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, he would—he never big timed anyone, no. and that's kind of making up that word. Um, he was—he was a colleague. You know, it was never a situation where, no matter who you were, your level of experience, your age, where you worked, anything—I mean, it was never. Hey, I'm a big shot you know on TV and I do all the major sports and you know you're just some um slappy from you know some small radio station yeah. or you know whatever I mean I remember you know the very first year of Steelers Digest was 1988 Stan Saverin actually agreed to write a column yeah. for me I mean and and again I mean I may have known him a little bit or seen him around you know in the, in the previous few years Uh, Based on, uh, you know, I worked as a newspaper reporter, you know, but that wasn't Stan's, or at least let me say this, writing, I didn't think (laughs) was his wheelhouse, but I soon learned that he was really good at
2: it. (laughs) He could have done that Um, if he wanted to, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, Stan was was part of the group all the time, Um, a colleague, as I said, a good guy. He always had a word of encouragement for you or a word of praise for you, you know, whatever the situation might require. Um, You know, it is a sad day, as you said, but, um, you know, Stan was suffering and um, I, I just hope he's at peace.
2: Yeah, no question. And, you know, you can't speak enough about how much he loved doing this work. I mean, even just up to a couple of weeks ago, he was still doing his hits with Mark Madden still doing his hits with the DVE Morning Show, not because he felt like he had to, but because he genuinely wanted to. Um, you always knew that that man was never going to retire, that Stan was going to be doing this until the end, and he did, He did, and I think that that is what helped him become the giant that he was in this industry, is not only was he so great at it, but there was just such a, a burning passion for this work inside of him that... I think is rare these days to have that kind of passion directed towards one individual thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, the way I, I would put it is that his job was the love of his life. Yes. Um, And you mentioned, you know, how he never wanted to, you know, back away from the work. Uh, He loved the work. He talked about it often uh, that it was, you know, how he saw himself, uh, even though he was much more than, you know, just sports beat or, you know, just Saverin on sports or, you know, whatever the many shows that he did were actually titled. Uh, But, um, you know, uh, and the one thing that Stan did, and and I always, you know, I could never imagine myself doing this because I don't have the patience for that, (laughs) Um, but those Steeler Post game call-in shows. Uh I mean, I, on I was Steelers with him radio through Network.
2: the past three years. I've been on the board side of that, and I don't know how Stan was able to go to sleep at night after those shows wrapped up with some of the people that he had to deal with. But he did it in such a way that I I still marvel at. He he's just was a true pro. No matter what those callers threw at him, and like you know, they throw a lot at you on that postgame show. He, he handled it perfectly.
1: Yeah, you know, he was on that with Charlie Bash. Right. And there were times, you know, Charlie would be in the booth – Uh, after a game, or I'd see him, you know, right after some people were, you know, running down to the locker room, you know, just a little bit of, um, you know, um, fire drill kind of activity going on right after a game. And I'd bump into Charlie, depending on how the game went, even a lot of times after Steelers wins, I'd say to him, hey, enjoy your next two hours. You know, (laughs) you deserve combat pay for this. Because, um, and again, I'm not, Um, trying to characterize all Steelers fans in a bad way or anything. But there were a lot of times, I would imagine, you know, Stan and Charlie got phone calls from tailgates or, you know, after games and stuff. And, you know, we all know what happens at tailgates and during, you know, um, NFL games in stadiums. And some of the people, they could barely, you know, get their words out. And he's dealing with these inebriated people in a in a kind but firm way. I mean, and he didn't pull the plug on them, you know, like a lot of talk shows or talk show callers or talk show hosts. Um, you get somebody like that slurring his words and not making any sense. Boom, they hit the what do you call that? The dump button. Yep. Since you work the board, yeah, dump hit button, the dump get it button. Get out right. here. Get him out of here. I uh, I don't remember. <coughs> excuse me. Even you know Stan doing that to anyone, and I would always listen to that for as long as I could tolerate it. Now, <laughs> on my drive home, you know, from the stadium to my house, uh, and sometimes I'd have to, you know, go to a different station and then come back, hoping that one <laughs> particularly annoying or drunk caller would be done by then. Because I mean, I just uh, again, um, kudos to Stan for you know, tolerating that week in and week out.
2: No doubt about it. Rest in peace, Stan Saverin. You are gone, but you will most certainly never be forgotten when it comes to the Pittsburgh sports scene. When it comes to just Pittsburgh in general, uh, your legacy is going to live on forever. There's there's no doubt about that in my mind. Um, no easy way to transition into questions this week, so let's just get right to it. Our first one comes from Mike Foster from Ua Beach, Hawaii, and he wants to know, do you think the Steelers are a better team now than they were a year ago at this time?
1: Um, you know, I believe that the Steelers have the potential to be a better team in 2023 than they were in 2022. And, you know, in kind of keeping with the theme of, you know, this podcast, we have to tie it into the quarterback as soon as possible. Um, one of the main reasons is that they won't have a rookie starting at quarterback for them this year. Right. You know, I'm not going to say that Kenny Pickett you know, is a lock for the Pro Bowl or he's a superstar in waiting or any of that stuff. But I also believe that Pickett has the approach and the work ethic to be a successful NFL starting quarterback. And now, you know, again, uh, to use a Mike Tomlinism, this is his second lap around the track. Um, he, you know, he has uh, an understanding of what it takes, uh, an understanding um, of, of his position, an understanding of what he needs to know and do and how he needs to prepare. And so, you know, you put those things together on the surface – and they have the potential to be a better team now.
0: If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.
2: You
1: know, we're going to see how that works out.
2: Mark Cusick from Paradise Valley, Arizona. We have all read countless exclamations of Omar Khan's aggressive roster building, often expressed in contrast to Kevin Colbert. I love what Khan and the team have done, but if one is going to imply an unflattering comparison with Colbert, does not fairness and accuracy require one to note the extra $30 million or so in salary cap money Khan had available to spend because, unlike in Colbert's years, the team is not paying franchise quarterback money.
1: Yeah, um, this is something that uh, I learned or I experienced really um, deeply when Chuck Noll retired and Bill Cowher was hired. Now, you know, naturally, Chuck Noll was there for 23 years, was the coach of the Steelers for 23 years, and in comes Bill Cowher. So, you know, there were a lot of questions about the differences. There were a lot of requests, you know, compare them, you know, different, um, certainly not different stages of their career. But what I mean is, you know, different points of the roster building process, you know, the in-game, how they handle that, etc. cetera. And, you know, what I tried to guard against, um, and I'm not saying I was successful all the time, but when you're making these kinds of comparisons – there's a tendency to, uh, compare one against the other in a, in a way that casts a negative light on the previous guy, you know? And while you want to say nice things about the new guy, in this case, Bill Cower, you know, <laughs> you can't run down Chuck. Noll. I mean, right. that's just stupid. So, um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, praising Omar is fine. You know, I'm all for that. And I I agree with, you know, a lot of the things pointed out in the question in terms of, you know, the aggressive uh, roster rebuilding and and things of that nature. Um, But let's not forget, you know, what Kevin Colbert did paying a franchise quarterback or not. I mean, you know, there's going to come a time in the future, I'm telling you, and and you can mark this down, June 13th, uh, 2023 at at 9:45 uh, a.m. on um, you know this this here Ask and answered podcast, uh, I'm going to predict that there's going to come a time when Kevin Colbert is becomes up for uh, discussion by the Pro Football Hall of Fame Board of Selectors. Now, I'm not saying that he he's going to be in, uh, elected, uh, that he deserves to be elected. I mean, that's my own opinion, and I'm not on that board, so my opinion doesn't matter. Right. But Colbert's body of work, okay. He built rosters that won two Super Bowls and played in a third, and those teams only finished with a losing record once in twenty-three years while drafting in the top ten before trading just once. Okay, think about that. Mm. So that's a remarkable achievement. Unbelievable, so yeah. I, I, I get, I get the excitement over what Omar has been doing, and, and I share a lot of that. But let's not. Um, I don't care what 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 kind of qualifiers you might want to put on Kevin Colbert's career. Uh, The guy did a hell of a job, uh, put a couple of trophies in the, in the, in the room in the library, a couple of rings uh, for everybody there, including me. (laughs) So uh, I got nothing bad to say about Kevin Colbert.
2: And a lot, you know how we say you, we both hate those comparisons when a young player comes in the league to a legendary player uh, of Mm -hmm, years past. mm -hmm. It's kind of the same thing here, right? With Omar and Colbert. Colbert is a legend in the GM game. And to automatically compare everything Khan does to Colbert, it's incredibly unfair to Khan, in my opinion.
1: Right. And and it's incredibly unfair to try and praise Omar by ripping Kevin, too. I think both of those things are true. No doubt.
2: Craig Kirsch from Raleigh, North Carolina asks, during James Harrison's immaculate interception, there was a penalty flag thrown during the runback. The penalty was on Arizona, but do you recall what the penalty was? Okay, the penalty uh, on that play
1: uh, was a face mask penalty on Arizona guard Elton Brown. Now, I cannot um, speak to specifically, you know, the flag may have come out during the return, but the play happened so quickly. You know, the ball got out of Kurt Warner's hands very quickly. So, I can't say for sure that the face mask penalty on Elton Brown was during the return or because of something that happened on the return. But the penalty was on Arizona guard Elton Brown, and needless to say, the Steelers declined.
2: <laughs> Pretty smart decision. <laughs> Probably the yeah. easiest decision Mike Tomlin's ever had to make in his coaching career to decline that easy
1: Yes, the easiest decision in the history of the NFL. <laughs> you know, it's like that commercial where, um, what's the guy's name, Slash? The, the guitar the player
2: yeah.
1: yeah he's auditioning you know for that garage band <laughs> and the girl or the woman who says hey wait you're in you know uh yeah it's that's um that's 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 that kind of easy decision
2: ray james from woodstock georgia i've been a steelers fan for 50 years my all-time favorite steelers player is jack lambert who do you think is the steelers greatest linebacker
1: uh, I mean, please don't people, please don't come to my house with uh, torches and pitchforks. This uh, I'm going like to go picking with your Jack. favorite kid. I know. Right. I'm going to go with Jack ham. Uh, mm. Now I understand that my pick is highly subjective. Okay. And I, there's no, um, you know, bottom line proof, scientific empirical evidence, you know, that makes one better than the other. You know, it's, pretty much, uh, who, who you prefer maybe. Um, but I'm going to go with, with Jack Ham and I'm going to acknowledge that Lambert is a great player. And I don't know that the Steelers of the seventies are the, even close to the Steelers of the seventies without him. Okay. Um, but you know, in conversations with Bill Nunn, uh, and again, Nunn wasn't ripping Lambert, he was just praising Ham. And the other thing, you know, what Nunn had to say about it and how it changed the way defense was played at the time. And I understand that Lambert also, you know, changed the way defense was played at the time for his position. You know, but Ham was in the league three years before, two years before Lambert was drafted. Then here's the other thing. Um, the the Pro Football Hall of Fame picked uh, its 50th anniversary all-time team at one point, okay? This is a pretty, you know, select group. On this all-time team, there were three linebackers picked. I mean, this isn't like the Pro Bowl where you pick 50 guys. Okay? This is, I think there were, you know, offense, defense, specialists, 25 people picked total. Okay? So that's one per position. So there were three linebackers picked. The two outside linebackers were Lawrence Taylor and Jack Campbell <laughs> So, you know, not a bad pairing, first of all. Um, and this is what... Uh, was written about Ham's selection, and I'm just going to read it. Okay, here we go. Smart, instinctive, great football IQ. Ham was a short tackler who could diagnose plays very quickly, and he was also able to handle the quickest of backs in coverage. The 1970s was the decade when running backs really started to get involved in the passing game, eventually giving rise to the third down back. Ham could handle them all. It is said that from 0 to 10 yards, Ham was faster than any of the other Steelers defenders. There were those within the organization who felt that he was the team's best player. Ham certainly belonged in that conversation with Mean Joe Green, as he also played an integral role on the four Super Bowl winning teams of the 1970s. Ham's 58 career takeaways remain the highest figure ever by a non-defensive back.
2: That's, that says it that, all right there.
1: Well, and you know, again, not I'm not t- uh, You know, we're comp- you asked me to pick. I picked. I'm not ripping Lambert. I'm not. Um, but you're asking me. I pick Ham.
2: Well, luckily, the Steelers of the '70s didn't have to pick between the two. They got to run both of them together. Exactly. Exactly. Joe Asher from Tampa, Florida, asks: During Ben Roethlisberger's time as quarterback for the Steelers, I read several articles about his desire for a huge tight end.
1: You know, these are my favorite questions.
2: <laughs> He'd love this an team, opinion... then, this 2023 team.
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, what I mean is an opinion based on what was read, quote unquote, in several articles. <laughs> okay. Um, again, and I'm not trying to uh, uh, denigrate Darnell Washington, but you cannot tell me or convince me that Ben Roethlisberger was not extremely happy with Heath Miller as a starting tight end for the entirety of his time as the Steelers starting quarterback. I mean, Miller was listed as 6'5", 256 pounds. Darnell Washington's listed height and weight is 6'7", 264. Okay? So, for the uh, arithmetically challenged uh, listeners, that's two inches makes Washington two inches taller and eight pounds heavier. Hmm. Two inches taller. You know, two inches, you know, hold your – Hold your thumb and index finger apart two inches, and, right and imagine, and imagine putting that you know uh, into play on a on a football field. You're going to tell me that's a that's a significant difference, <laughs> you know. And I, I just, I mean, I just don't believe that Ben would have ever, ever complained about Heath Miller. I, I just don't believe it. So you know, again, I'm not. I'm hoping for the best for Darnell Washington, um, but you know, let's not forget. Uh, what Heath Miller contributed to the Pittsburgh Steelers.
2: And our final question today comes from Stefan Kuprasinski from Cockeysville, Maryland, and he asks, with the maturation of the offensive line and our free agent and draft acquisitions, do you see the Steelers as being more of a running team? I would guess that a 50-50 balance with passing be desirable.
1: Um, You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers fans, Steelers nation, not only loves quarterback issues, But, boy, do they want to go back to Franco and Rocky in the backfield. Uh, And it ain't happening. The game has changed, people. It has changed. I mean, 50-50 run pass, mm, you know, I I think that that's pushing it. Um, What I will say is if you want to contend in the NFL, you want to contend for championships, you need to be able to run the football effectively in situations. But the name of the game in the NFL now is you got to score points. You know the Steelers finished twenty sixth in the NFL last season in points per game. They only scored as many as thirty points in a game one time, one time, mm. and that's much more of an issue than being more of a running team. I mean, I re- I was sitting in the room when uh, Steelers president Art Rooney II was. This was in January after the shortly after the twenty twenty two season ended. And he was asked what he wanted, what one thing do you think you need to see from the 2023 team? And he said, score more points. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Score more points. Sometimes, you know, that, that will help your red zone offense when you're able to run the ball into the end zone. No question. You know, it'll help your team when you're able to maybe run the ball and burn clock when you have a lead in the second half or in the fourth quarter. No question but it can't be. If you're 26th in the NFL and points scored, I don't care how well you run the ball. It's not good enough.
2: That'll do it for this edition of asked and answered. Just want to echo one more time before we wrap up labs and I sending our condolences to the Saverin family and anybody really that Stan touched. And that is a wide group of people uh, in Pittsburgh and uh, really, I'm sure all over as he was just such a genuinely great man and, someone who will be sorely missed uh, here in Pittsburgh and beyond. Uh, Before Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opperman. Again, always appreciate you guys giving us a listen, and we will be back again next week with Asked and Answered.